Good morning, everybody, and good morning to people watching at home today. It's always great to be in the house of the Lord and in his presence. Back in the year 2001, I think many of us were caught up in trying to discern what God was doing as we entered the new millennium. I attended a conference in Brisbane to hear several famous international speakers come and talk on this topic. But the person who had the most and lasting impact on me was a pastor from Queensland. He was an Aboriginal man and he was gentle, he was dignified and he was very wise and strong. And he said, reconciliation will not happen until every knee bows before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a strong word, but it's so true. And if that happened, if we did all bow before the Lord Jesus Christ, we wouldn't need to have a group of people bowing for Black Lives Matter because everyone would be reconciled and there would be justice for all as we knew before Jesus our Lord. Second Corinthians tells us we all have the ministry of reconciliation and it's not just towards our Indigenous brothers and sisters, but it's needed in our homes, in our churches, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities and across the nations. Last month, Richard and I worshipped at our sister church in Alice Springs on our way home from Darwin, and it was great to see how our gifts have been used to bless their new church home. It's got a wonderful ministry and it's got a wonderful church family made up of uh, people from all different cultures. There's people there from right around Australia as the Indigenous people and there's people there from different cultural backgrounds. And it was a very special service that day and Pastor Ben preached a strong message on the need to be alert to the different antichrists that we see rising up in our midst today during these times as we move towards the last days. And uh, these are the people who try and discredit the name of Jesus and his personhood. And he said that we need to be strong in our belief and our knowledge about who Jesus is and to give him his rightful place, the highest place. Following his message, three beautiful Aboriginal women sang sang a chorus worshipping and lifting up the name of Jesus. And I was moved to tears as they sang because the presence of the Lord in our midst was very strong. Uh, He is greatly pleased when we lift Jesus up in our hearts, not just in our words. And uh, one of the ladies then gave a word in Pichinjara. And even though the only words I could understand were hallelujah and Jesus, uh, I was moved in my spirit uh, with the thought of how wonderful it is that even though We can't understand the language. Uh, Because of the Holy Spirit, we can just share that common love for Jesus. And uh, I think that that's what is true reconciliation when we're all one in Christ. And that was very much as it was that day. The names of the women who sang are June Kayar, Samara and Nurina. And we will hear them sing now in their own Pichinjara language. And then Pastor Rebecca will sing it through in English. And then after that, we will sing it through twice, and that will be followed by prayer. But before we do that, let's hear the word of the Lord. From Philippians 2, we read, Your attitude attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We'll hear the ladies sing now. Let's see. We place you on the highest place for you are the great high priest. We place you worship at your feet. Lord, we do place you in the highest place above all, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. 
And Lord, we do join with brothers, brothers and sisters worldwide who want to lift high the name of Jesus. For Jesus, your name is great. Your name is wonderful. Your name is the one who can save. For you are mighty to save. And so, Lord, we join with our brothers and sisters in Alice, in Australia, in the world, who call to you, who worship at your feet. Just like that picture of Isaiah, who, who saw how wonderful and great you were, but your, just the train of your robe filled the temple, displaying your wonder and majesty and awesomeness. And Lord, just at your feet we fall and declare that this morning. Lord, we pray for our, our nation. We pray for our world at this time. For you to be moving amongst uh, your people, your churches, that we might be salt and light to a hurting world that we might be bold to proclaim your truth amongst the nations, that we would stand up for righteousness and goodness, that we would declare who you are and what you've done on that cross, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and that they will be brought from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light, where there will be joy and peace and love, evident as the Spirit fills those people with joy, peace and love. So Lord, we call on you to pray this morning to do only what you can do. Lord, we thank you that you enable us to partner with you, to be empowered by you as you give us your gifts to be exercised in your church. But Lord, we call on you now for you to be at work doing all that you can do that we cannot do on our own. For you are a God that is above all gods, higher than any other name. And it is that name that we call on this morning and pray on in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. And again, good morning to those who are online uh, watching this via our live stream. We just trust that uh, you, you feel the presence of God being with you as you watch uh, this on the screens at home, as we feel the presence of God. I hear an amen, just putting that out there. As we've been worshipping this morning, hasn't worship been just wonderful? Hear voices, to, hear, to lift high the name of Jesus and to just be together as God's people uh, proclaiming that. It's just a wonderful thing. Can I just get some, before we start, can I just get some people from the back, just Get up off your seats and just come down the front. It feels like we're a bit spread out this morning. Feel free to just grab, grab your seats and just come down the front, as Dan, Dan said, just so that we can be together, feel a bit more unified. <laughs> yes, Di, I'm talking to you. I can hear you laughing. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, I'm going to be uh, preaching this morning from Revelation chapter 2. So if you do have your Bibles and you want to have that prepared and opened and ready, 
I've actually got a quite a long intro this morning before we get there, but it can be bookmarked, ready, uh, Revelation chapter 2. But um, I want to be talking this morning about uh, revival. Now, um, those who have been on Facebook would have, would have seen this. I want to talk about personal uh, revival this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but what comes to mind when you hear the word revival? I know that as I, I think about that, I, I conjure up images of, of tents being uh, erected out in public places and hordes of people coming and, and, and an evangelistic preacher preaching and, and, and thousands of people coming to faith. And yes, that's certainly uh, part of the thought about revival. In fact, it was a big part of our DNA as a, as a CRC church. Our beginnings began uh, with, with this, this sort of nature of, of big meetings of people and hordes of people coming and, and hearing the word of God being preached and being convicted of, of sin and repenting to Christ and, and turning to him and being filled with the Spirit and following uh, after Christ. And so it's very much part of our DNA. And in fact, Revival is, is the middle, is the R of the CRC. <laughs> it started as a Christian Revival Crusade. We dropped the crusade because of the negative connotations of, of that word. And now we're just simply called the, the CRC Churches International. But, but Revival is our middle name. Revival is in our DNA. And so I want to talk about Revival this morning. I've been, been reading Barry Chant's book on Revival. Uh, Barry's coming next week. Get excited. Who's excited about Barry Chant coming to minister amongst us? Tell your friends to come along. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, but um, I, was, I was reading this and I just shared with our leadership team a quote because many people try and define what revival is. And it's, it's a very hard thing to, to define because you won't find the word revival in the scriptures. Uh, it's, it's something that us as a church movement have, have sort of talked about and has become a phenomenon uh, as, as churches have, have, have moved forward. Uh, but I came across this quote, and I just want to, can you just put it on because I'm holding too many things, <laughs> thanks, from Brian Edwards. He says, um, he sees revival as a remarkable increase in the spiritual life of a large number of God's people, accompanied by an awesome awareness of the presence of God intensity of prayer and praise, a deep conviction of sin with a passionate longing for holiness and unusual effectiveness in evangelism leading to the salvation of many believers. Now, I read that and I was just, my heart was pounding and I thought, that's my heart. That's my desire for our church. That's my desire for, for what I want to see God do amongst not only our churches, but the, the churches in our community, the churches across the state, the, the churches across our nation, that we would see an increased uh, spiritual life in a large number of God's people. In fact, he goes on to say that he summarises it by calling a revival a time when people are saturated with God. When people are saturated with God. And this has been just mulling over in my mind as I've been, been thinking about this, this quote. And a deep conviction became over me that, that as we gather, we should be seeking and hungering for the things of God. In fact, 
with each uh, historical revival that has happened in, in Christian history, is, there's been a common thing, and that is that there have been a group of people, and often small, who have desired it and have longed for it and prayed for it. There have been a people who have longed for it, desired it, and prayed for it. And I want to be a, a praying people. So we've got prayer night coming up on Thursday night. Let's join together and be a people who are seeking it, desiring it, and praying for it, for God to move, as I prayed just before, and to do only what God can do. We can come and we can sing and we can preach and we can share the word, but in the end of the, at the end of the day, we're seeking after and hungering for a tangible presence of God amongst us, yeah? A tangible presence of the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts and to our minds and to do a work in us that only he can do. That only he can do. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. In fact, um, as we're coming across a long number of definitions, um, came across this quote, which was a world-famous authority in the subject of revivals was Dr. J. Edwin Orr, or Er, I think that's how you call it. In the early 1970s, he was giving a presentation of lectures at Columbia Bible College, and a student said to him this, besides praying for revival, what can I do to help it bring it about? And without a moment's pause, Dr. Orr glanced at his student and replied, you can let it begin with you. Famous song, let revival come and let it begin in me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we start with us? How do we allow God to do a work in us? How do we have a personal revival? So before I go into that, though, I was listening to a podcast by Louis Giglio, uh, a pastor in America, um, and he gave some really interesting insights into what happens in our society, in people, when things are going bad, when things are on the decline, uh, when things are going downhill. There are three main responses to that scenario happening. And he talks about these three things. He says the first thing when things are going bad uh, whether that be in our own personal world, our finances, our relationships, or you know, economics in, in the world, politics, uh, whatever you want to put this to, it works in all situations. First thing, uh, first option is people become cynical. They go, well, yeah, I told you that was going to happen and I thought that you know, person was a wrong person for the job and, and it's that person's fault and blah, 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 blah. They, they become cynical. So that's the first uh, response to things going poorly, things going downhill. The second, and this is his word, carnal. Now, that's a, it's a kind of churchy word and it's normally uh, to do with uh, fleshly desires and things like that, but it's more of a, a worldly pattern. So, I'm going to change, sorry, Louis, I'm going to, I'm going to call it conditioned. <laughs> I think that's a better word and a better way that we see people responding. They, that this, um, this thing has happened to me in, in this world and, and rather than stand up again or rather than um, push against it or, or, or be strong in it, I become conditioned by it. The salt loses its saltiness. It it, uh, the, the things of the world just allows us to be, be indoctrinated or to, to 
pass into who we are and we, we lose that, that passion and that desire. So we either become cynical or we become conditioned to, to the, the situation around us. Well, that's just the way it is. I'm just going to go with the flow. Other, I see other people, they're, they're just doing that as well. I'm going to lower my standards. I'm just going to be conditioned to what I'm seeing around myself. Third thing is self-preservation. Now, this is the toilet paper phenomenon we see when a lockdown is announced. Got to look after number one, right? Things are going downhill. First things first, I've got to make sure I'm okay. And look after number two. <laughs> Woo! Ka-ching! All right. <laughs> Look after our number twos. Uh, classic. Um, so, you know, quick, quick, load up the car. Let's get out of here before the bomb blows the world up. Let, let's, let's run away and hide because things are terrible and bad. These are three uh, possible outcomes, reactions to things going downhill, things going bad, things going down south. But then he says that there's a third, uh, there's a fourth response. And when he talked about this, this really just stirred in my heart. And it's the biblical response that we see in pretty much every biblical character that comes up against hardships, whether they be a king, whether they be a prophet, whether they be a judge, whether they be a priest, whether they just be a patriarch or someone called to do something amazing, and they come up against trouble and trial and pain and suffering, see the world around them, there is a fourth option, and that is a desperate prayer, a crying out to God. I'm on my knees, and it's normally the picture we see is that they're ripping their clothes as a sign of there's no other option here. I have no power in myself to do anything about it. I've got to just call out to God to do only what he can do. And it is a desperate cry. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you to work. I need you to come. I need you to come and do something miraculous because the situation is bad and I can't, I have no power in myself to do anything about it. I actually need you to come and be present, for you to come and show up, for you to come up and do a work amongst us. In fact, I heard one person's definition of revival was, and I don't know who, who said it, was that revival is when God gets sick of him being misrepresented, that he comes up and shows up himself who he is. <laughs> when he's sick of being misrepresented, he comes up and shows people who he really is. That's revival. A desperate cry, a calling out, God, I need you. I need you to work here. I need you to do something in my life. I need you to do something in this world that only you can do. And that's that longing for that tangible presence of God, for the Holy Spirit to be at work amongst us. Send revival. So we've got this word revival that we as a, as, as a church movement talk about when it talks about a big move of God. We don't find it in scriptures, but the word we do find in scripture is revive. And the word revive speaks about bringing life to something that was on the way down. You see the correlation there that I'm bringing out? As, as something is on the decline, as something is losing its life, 
We revive it. We talk about that in first aid. You revive a life. The breath is coming out of a person and we revive them. We bring life to them. And we see in scripture uh, when it comes to many many occurrences, I think about creation, when when, when man and women are formed, God breathes breath of life, revives people, gives gives life to, to you and I, and it's the spirit of God that is in us that actually gives us that life. Ezekiel, famous passage, Valley of Dry Bones, says to Ezekiel, these bones, can they live again? You know, they're de- they're, they've, they've gone downhill so far that there's no life left in them. And, and God said, breathes life. The Spirit of God has breathed on the bones and they come to life again. They are revived. In fact, I'm, I was thinking about my television and movie viewing preferences how they've changed as I've grown and matured in my life. Uh, as I was younger, if my ideal entertainment night would be to get a, a bang-bang movie. That's what, I, that's what I call them, right? I was into anything that's bombs blowing up, car chases, fist fights, anything to do with destruction, like things, you know, tearing things apart. That was, that was my, I just loved it. Die hard, come on. Hear some amens there from the blokes, you know, some explosions happening. Uh, you know, that, that was my, my, my dream sort of genre of, of movie. And I've just noticed that as I've sort of grown on in years, <laughs> perhaps matured, my, my go-to now is, is I just love those restoration programs, uh, the fixer-upper where you get a, an old house that's completely run down and you get the people with the right skills to come along and restore it and put it back together. One of my, one of my favourite um, shows was a, is a car called um, a car show called For the Love of Cars. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to get into it. If you love your cars, I love cars. And I've always loved Mini Cooper S's. So if anyone ever wants to sort of think about a, a gift for me one day, um, you know, a Mark I Mini Cooper S in original condition would be right up there for me. Um, but I just love these, these, these shows where you take something that has, ha, has lost its life, that has been tarnished, that's rusted, that is, that is broken down, and you breathe life into it. You revive it. You renew it. If you think about the word renew, it it once was new and then it's no longer new, but then you renew it. You make it new again. And that's, that's the same as revive. It's giving life again, giving it its wholeness, giving it how it was designed to be originally. So here we've got a, a car, a, bar, a barn find that was just in a barn for many, many years, rusting away, and someone's put the time in it to turn it into its original condition. It's been renewed. It's been revived, restored. And check out that. Who, who wants to sign up to buy in that place? <laughs> And then someone's been able to make it look like new again. 
again, another house. I just think that looks pretty as it is, but then when someone's finished with it, wow. Look at what he's been able to do is someone puts time and effort and energy into reviving something that was broken, something that was lifeless. It's not just houses and cars, by the way. You see it in all sorts of areas. Here's an, an old Steinway piano, worth a lot of money. Someone's put time and effort in to restore it to its original condition. Restore it to its original condition. Now, I came across this one, and I gasped, as I hope you do too. Old photographs. People can do amazing things these days. Here's a photograph that's torn and in pieces. It's lifeless. It's in need of restoring, of renewing. And someone was able to do that. Wow. So our physical world is subject to something called decay. As soon as something is made, as soon as something created, from that moment on, it is subject to decay. It will decompose. It will rust. It will be affected by air and pressure. And it will be on the down low. It will be on the decline from that point onwards. Unless someone is able to keep it in good condition by, by continuing to look after it and put things around it. Or as it goes downhill and downhill, someone puts the time in and the effort and the passion to see it renewed, to see it revived again. Bringing it back to life. So if that's the same in our physical world, if that's true, that things are naturally on the decay, can we say that it's possibly even true in our spiritual lives? That once was bright and bold and shining and looking amazing and passionate, that over time, through pressure, through circumstance, it slowly, slowly is on the decline? Could it be that it is so true in our spiritual lives? How do we know if we are in need of personal revival, of spiritual renewing, spiritual reviving? How do we, how do we know that? Well, it's quite simple. I can ask you a very simple question. And let's now be honest as we listen to this question. Was there a time in your life when your passion for God was greater than it is right now? Was there a time in your life when your love for Jesus was stronger than it is right now? Has your passion been declining? Was there a time when your love for Christ's church was stronger than it is now? Was there a time in your life when your love for justice and mercy in our world was stronger than it is right now? Was there a time when your 
when you had a passion for God's word, for you to open it up and just be waiting and longing for God to speak to you powerfully and move in your heart? Was there a time in your life where that was more vibrant than it is now? Was there a time in your life when your prayer life was more fervent and bold than it is right now? Is there a time when you love to serve, to minister, be involved in mission, sharing the gospel more than you do now? Was there a time when your personal devotion had more of a priority than it does right now? I could keep going. (laughs) Maybe I won't. I'm going to go back to the first one. Was there a time in your life when your passion for God was greater than it is now? Let's just concentrate on that this, this morning. Or perhaps there was a time in your life, maybe you haven't even come to Christ yet. Maybe you're on that journey. Maybe as you look around and you see revival in people, you see passion in people, there's something you long for and you think, I'm hungering after that. I'm hungering after that and I want to go after that. But then maybe the, that hunger or that desire, that journey is, has also been on the, on the down low. You might be challenged by that question. I know I was. But I want to say that there's, there's some reactions that are happening right now to that question. Number one, you might be cynical. You might say, well, that's because I was young, I was a bit naive, perhaps my faith isn't as strong because the pastor hasn't encouraged me enough. There might be reasons for it. I'm going to blame so-and-so. You you become cynical as you're confronted with that question. Or you maybe... You like the fact that you've become conditioned. Well, this is the way it is now, and I'm more comfortable with that, and it's easier to live this way, and I, I can fit it in with all the things that are happening around me in the business of life. Maybe that's your reaction. Maybe your re- reaction right now is self-preservation. You're thinking, when can I get out that back door? <laughs> you're, seriously, you're thinking, when can I get out of here? This is getting uncomfortable. Maybe he might actually require something of me later on where I'll become embarrassed. Maybe I have to admit that this is the condition that I'm in. Maybe in admitting it and calling out to God means showing people around me that that's the state that I'm in. And that's uncomfortable and it's embarrassing. And so self-preservation chimes in to go, I'm just going to sit here. Or... Can I encourage us this morning? There's a fourth way. As we're challenged by that question, is your passion for God different from where it's been previously? That there is a desperate need, a desperate cry, a desperate call out to God for him to work in our lives again and to do something that he's never, that only he can do. That he would stir it up in our hearts. That he would stir it up in our hearts. Has there been a time in your life where your passion for God is greater than it is now? That's what I've asked you today. But Jesus himself in, in Revelation 2, as he 
um, speaks to the, the churches in, in Revelation and, and gives a report in a way of how they're going as, as, as church communities. Jesus said something similar to the church in Ephesus, and I want to focus on that now as, as we, we finish up. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him, this is Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. It's a, it's a, a picture of who Jesus is, his authority. Jesus says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and have found them false. You have persevered, you have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. That is a great report, isn't it? And my, my hope is that as Jesus talks about the Hills Christian Community Church, that that would be the report, that we have persevered, that we have, we have gone hard in a way, we have served, we have sought out what is truth and what is not truth. That is a good thing. That is a good thing to be commended by. Then Jesus says these words afterwards, Yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten the love you had at first. The Ephesian church, the desire to do and to, to get out there and, and, and to be all that, that, that they're called to be, right and good as it is, has to be motivated by that passion for God in our hearts and not just as a commodity, not just as a thing to do, not just as a, as a moral thing or an ethical thing, but as a response to what God has done in us. And so Jesus says, you have forsaken the love you had at first. The love for me has been on the decline. Your love for me has decayed your love for me is rusted. Your love for me is broken. And what we need is for it to be revived, for that love to be renewed again in our hearts. For each and every one of us, it's for you, it's for me, it's for everyone. Jesus then gives an antidote for this. He actually gives a sermon on how to have personal revival. And if you think that a typical three-point sermon is a modern thing that has been invented by pastors of the the last couple of years, Jesus invented the three-point sermon because I've got proof of it right here in Scripture, okay? And I'm going to have to go to the ESV to prove my point, just getting the right translation says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. He says, remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So he says, remember. First thing to do is to remember from where we have fallen. That's the picture there of having had something and if we're fallen, we're down lower. It's gone down. So we remember what it was like, what it was like when our passion for God was high. What was it like when our prayer life was strong? What was it like when we loved to to share the gospel with others? Then he says, repent. 
Remember, repent. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. And then Jesus says, do the work she did at first. In other words, repeat. There it is, Jesus' three-point sermon that you can take home. It's easy to remember because it all starts with R. Those are the original words of Jesus <laughs> as, as via this translation. So let's just go through these. First of all, remember. I want you right now to remember. Think about a time in your life when you're fire, you're on fire for him, when, when, when Jesus was your, your everything. It might be a time of salvation. That might have been a real important moment for your life. It might have been at a camp. It might have been due to a small group that you had around you that encouraged you and prayed into you. It might have been as you served in a particular ministry area and you remember the joy it meant to serve. I just want to have 30 seconds of silence. And what I want you to do is close your eyes and for you to remember. Perhaps use any of those words that I've put out there. Just remember. Time in your life, just remember. What images, what emotions, what thoughts come to mind as you remember a time in your life? Secondly, Jesus says to repent. Now, that's a funny word. Repent really basically means to change our minds. If we were heading in a certain direction, perhaps away from that passion because of our conditioning or our cynicism or our self-preservation, and, and, and we're, we're moving in a direction that is, is away from that, repenting literally means to have a change of mind and to turn around and to walk the different road back to where we came from. That's what repenting means. And that's that heartfelt prayer, that desperate cry, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I need you. Lord, I turn to you. Lord, I ask for you to do what only you can do. I repent. I change my mind. And thirdly, repeat. As we had that time of reflection, a whole heap of images, thoughts, times, people would have come to mind. Who are the type of people in your life at that moment? Do we need to repeat the activity to help the change of direction, to help the reviving, to help that the process of renewing maybe means being involved in a small group again? Maybe it means serving in an area of ministry again. Maybe it's passionate about helping Rennie with treasure boxes. Maybe it's getting involved in the cleaning roster that we still need help for. <laughs> no, just put that. <laughs> what devotional practices were you involved in at that time? Maybe those things need to be repeated. What 
amount of time did you give to prayer? Maybe that needs to be repeated. What things in your life do we need to come back to? So that's what we can do. That's what we can do to help this process of restoration, of reviving, of renewing, of rebuilding, of reviving. But then there's something that only God can do. There's something that only God can do for him to revive us. That is a calling out to God, a desperate prayer on our knees, hands raised high. Lord, I need you. Lord, would you come and do a work in me? Would you revive me? Would you renew me? Perhaps for you this morning that might be for the very first time. Perhaps this morning it might be the 100th time. It doesn't matter. Remember Dave Smythe um, preached up here a couple of weeks ago with, with the parable, um, pictures in parables, and he talked about you know, the infilling of the Spirit isn't just a once-off thing that gets us through. It's a daily thing. We need to be constantly asking God to fill us with his Spirit and to be doing a work in us every day, constant. It might be the hundredth time this morning. It might be the first time. But what unites us all in it is that it's nothing to do with me, it's nothing to do with you. It's the activity of God that only he can do. That only he can do. As I was um, thinking about this morning, I was reminded of a, of a song um, by Timothy Dudley Smith. I think he's a UK uh, musician. It was a song um, it was, he used to sing. And I just want to just finish with these, these words. I want to just pray this over you in a way. And then we're going to get the musicians up. We're going to have a time of actually asking God to come and, come and work in us, for calling out to him in that des- desperate prayer. The Lord of, Lord of the church, Lord of the church, we pray for our renewing. We pray for it. Christ over all, our undivided aim. Fire of the spirit burn for our enduring. Wind of the spirit fan the living flame. Then our prayer that the Spirit would just fan the flame in us. We turn to Christ amid our fear and failing, the will that lacks the courage to be free, the weary labours all but unavailing to bring us nearer to what a church should be. Lord of the church, we seek a Father's blessing, a true repentance and a faith restored. A swift obedience and a new possessing, filled with the Holy Spirit of the Lord. We turn to Christ from all our restless striving, unnumbered voices with one single prayer, the living water for our souls reviving, in Christ to live and love and serve and care. May that be our prayer this morning. going to invite the musicians up. We're going to sing a song. And I just want to 
just say some of the words. Consuming fire, Holy Spirit, fan into flame, a passion for your name. We as, we as a family have just started having fires in our front yard again. It's been wonderful. But sometimes the fire goes out and sometimes it loses its, its vitality. And we've been teaching the kids, you know what you do when that happens? You get a big bit of cardboard and you fan it and you hit it with oxygen and it comes alive again with vigour and power and warmth and flashiness. Consuming fire, fan into flame. Passion for your name. Spirit of God, would you fall in this place? Would you fall in this place? Would you be that tangible presence? Would you come amongst us? Would you move in a way that only you can move? Can I encourage you to stand right now? We're just going to sit in this song for however long this takes. As you've been listening this morning, Holy Spirit might have been tugging on your, your spiritual heartstrings, calling you by name, saying, Child, I love you so much. And I've seen your good deeds. I've seen your hunger for righteousness and goodness. But do you love me as much as you always have? Has there been a decay in your spiritual fervour for me? Would you come to me again and let me fan into flame that passion again? Would you allow me to revive you, to renew you, to bring you back into what I've called you to be, how I've designed you to be, ready to go out into the world to make a difference? So Lord, I just pray for everyone here right now. Lord, I pray for those who who are on the journey to coming into faith in you. Lord, right now, as we sing this, would you touch them? Holy Spirit, would you come and be real in a way that is beyond words, that is beyond thoughts, that is, un, un, that is just you? Would you come and do a miracle, Lord? And Lord, for those who know you and perhaps have have declined in their their spiritual passion for you. Lord, just fan into flame that passion. Lord, would we have a revival in our hearts this morning. Lord, we want to see revival in our land. We want to see a great move of God. But Lord, let revival start in me. Let revival start in me. Let revival start in each and every one of us as we long to you, as we remember. So remember the heights from which we have fallen. As we repent, as we turn to you, and as we long to repeat the things that you're asking us to do. But Lord, most of all, there's one more R in this and that it belongs to you. Revive. Revive us now, Lord. Renew us, Lord. Renew us. Revive us, we pray in Jesus' name. I encourage you to to kneel, to lift your hands in surrender to him. 
in obedience to the fact that he is Lord. So we ask the Holy Spirit, come. Do a work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. you Jesus Lord we just uh, humbly take that message I pray that it will speak into our hearts not just today but every day thank you Sam I really felt that was a Lord uh, message for each and every one of us Mm. yes Jesus We we desire you we desire your presence we want this place to be filled with you We want our lives to be bursting forth with the joy that you have for us. And uh, yeah, if we need to be humble and submit ourselves to that every day, I pray that we can do that. Um, Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Thinking of that passionate moment for me, it was uh, after youth group, skipping and dancing and running home from youth group up the orchard to my old house. and that feels very odd to me right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, God's good is the genuine um, that intimacy that He gives you, something to pursue. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Sam. Thanks, team. Um, really great morning, and uh, we'll bless you guys. And uh, yeah, have some fellowship now. Uh, we've got coffee, and uh, yeah, if you've got any questions around how we facilitate that we've got our COVID marshal Richard who can help you um, but yeah please have a seat and have a coffee and you can do that uh, straight after the service but yeah if this yeah so if there's any um, I think because just it'd be a really good time to get some prayer and spend some time and some some of the things Sam said so we have our prayer room obviously here on the right and uh, yeah if you can get in there and, and share some things that'd be great so that's available um, but yeah have a fantastic week and we'll see you next time